0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to our Hot Topics in CT, the uh, first quarter of 2012 edition, and uh, let's pick up with the kidney, and what are the latest trends in imaging the kidney? You know, we always argue about, or some people argue, whether you need early phase imaging, arterial phase imaging, and the evaluation of renal masses, the importance of multiple phases. We speak about how we need to optimize a number of phases, but not have too many Uh, in order to minimize radiation dose. But I think one of the important things that's come about in the last couple of months are a few articles talking about how that early phase imaging really gives you a lot more information about the tumor and how you may need to treat the tumor in the future. There was an article by Go talking about the potential for metastatic renal cell cancer and its response to tyrosine kinase inhibitors, that CT texture mapping can be a predictive marker, that CT texture analysis reflects tumor heterogeneity and is an independent factor associated with time to progression and has the potential as a predictive imaging biomarker of response of metastatic disease to targeted therapy. They went on to say that changes in tumor heterogeneity if the two cycles of uh, therapy correlates with measured time to progression. So very, very important. So now we're seeing the enhancement pattern provides additional information into management. The addition of texture analysis to standard response assessment may improve the prediction of response to TKIs in patients with metastatic renal cell carcinoma. So indeed, very important. Going even further, an article by Salk notes that the genetic makeup of clear cell renal cell carcinomas, which are 85% of renal cells, affects their imaging features at MDCT. MDCT imaging characteristics may help suggest differences at the cytogenetic level amongst these renal cell carcinomas. So now we're saying that the enhancement patterns are incredibly important in predicting what the errors are, that the enhancement patterns are not just as random, as we would think when we talk about clear cell being hypervascular and hypovascular being papillary, but within the clear cells, there's significant information. Imaging features at MDCT correlates with the cytogenetic characteristics of clear cell renal cell carcinomas, which may affect patient prognosis and possibly help predict response to molecular targeted therapies. Now CT becomes a guide to therapy. Clear cells with the loss of the white chromosome enhance more than those without the anomaly in male patients during the cortical medullary phase, my favorite phase, at MDCT. And clear cells with trisomy 5 enhance more than those with disomy 5 during the excretory phase at MDCT. And those with trisomy 7 enhance less than those with disomy 7 during the cortical medullary phase. So you can see now that the phases can give us additional information. Now we're gonna need more experience in this, but it's something I think that's coming along. We spoke a lot about perfusion CT. It's not taken off very much because of radiation dose, but you can do perfusion CT now with lower dose. But even for getting perfusion CT, just simple multi-phase, arterial phase, delayed phase, critical information. So let's pay attention to this area. I think a lot more information is going to be coming along in renal cell as well as in other tumors. What else? Well, what about IV contrast? One of the common questions I get is, should you put IV contrast in a warmer prior to using it? Well, at Hopkins, the answer is yes, we do. But interestingly, many people do not. And the question is, why not? Well, it actually becomes a JCO thing. Because what JCO requires is... Once you use a warmer, you need to have record keeping. In the old days, also, the vendors would give you a free warmer. Now you have to buy it, but the cost is not that much, and it lasts forever. But record keeping, record keeping means the temperature. And what if you have an outpatient center, and you only, you know, are there five days a week? You need to keep a log and monitor the warmer for correct temperature daily. But of course, you should be able to do that remotely. You should have sensors that can do that. Uh, your refrigerator, many parts of the hospital, it's all monitored. So a warmer should be no different. The other thing is, when you put contrast within the um, the warmer, you need to label it now. At CTS Us, Ask the Fish, this question came up, and I spoke to the people at Joint Commission, and they told me what they want you to do is when you put contrast in the warmer to label it with the expiration date, not the date you put it in the warmer. And everyone's been cited for putting the date when you put it in the warmer. So the way you have to think about it, and I made this point to Joint Commission, and they agreed, is think about it like milk, when milk spoils. It doesn't say when you buy it. It says when it spoils. So put the label on it. That's all you really need to do. Now, in saying that, why? Why do you use a warmer? Well, my experience has been that when you warm up contrast, regardless of the contrast type, the patients have less free actions. And I mean mild reactions, nausea and vomiting, feeling funny. I think that alone is so important. But there was an article recently published by Davenport that warming does not appear to affect adverse events for intravenous contrast. 300 concentration, uh, injecting under six cc's, but is associated with significant reduction in extravasation and overall adverse events for more viscous, higher concentration. In their study, discontinuation of extrinsic warming did not appear to affect adverse events for the low-density contrast, but was associated with a tripling of extravasation and overall adverse events for the more viscous, higher-density contrast. Well, all of us, we use Omni 350, we use Visi 320, so it's higher concentrations, so you're going to triple your extravasations, triple the complications. you got to be kidding me. That means I could decrease it by... you know by more than two-thirds just by putting it in a warmer there's no that's a no-brainer just put it in the warmer so again you need to monitor the warmer but it's the way to go and that's what we do at Hopkins. What else? Questions always come up about myeloma the can you give contrast in myeloma, the incidence of contrast nephropathy in patients with multiple myeloma with normal creatinine level is low and correlates with the B2 microglobulin level. The administration of contrast in this patient population is safe, but should be based on the potential benefits of the exam and the expected low risk of developing SIN. So the answer is hydrate the patient, no problem giving them uh, a contrast if they have myeloma. In patients with myeloma, renal failure is the second most common cause of death after infection. The development of renal failure may affect 20 to 40% of patients with newly diagnosed myeloma, with about 52 to 70% of patients having normal renal function at diagnosis. So, obviously, if the patient has bad renal function, then you shouldn't be giving contrast, and that's true with any patient. But if they have normal renal function, we try to hydrate. We hydrate all patients, and then we use contrast. No problem at all. Just a couple points related to myeloma, renal failure in myeloma, just to remind you, toxic effects of excreted monoclonal light chains is the primary cause. This can be exacerbated by hypercalcemia, dehydration, infection, Benz-Jones proteinemia, and nephrotoxic drugs. So obviously, patients with problems, if there are multiple different medications, Contrast would fit in the nephrotoxic drug potential category. So, again, something to be aware of, but routinely there is no problem. Okay, what else did I see this last? quarter. Small bowel imaging, what's new? The topic of GI bleeding keeps coming up and the results of CT get better and better. Article by Marty, CT angiography performed in the emergency setting in patients with acute lower intestinal bleeding is feasible and correctly depicts the presence and location of active or recent hemorrhage as well as the potential cause in the majority of cases. And when I say the majority, in there... Study 46 of 47, 98%, CT angio depicted or helped exclude active or recent bleeding. So 98%. They also comment that CTA correctly helped identify the cause of bleeding in 93% of these cases in whom a source of hemorrhage was ultimately established. Impressive findings at CTA and the standard of reference, angio, colonoscopy, or surgery while concordant for determining definitive or potential cause of bleeding in 44 of 47 patients. So the authors then make the point, rather than restricting it to cases where colonoscopy fails initially, in the majority of cases, we propose CTA as the first step in the diagnostic evaluation of patients with substantial bleeding for confirmation of active or recent hemorrhage and correct identification of the site and cause of bleeding so again very very important Now, just to make the point in their article they did three phases the reason they do non-contrast we haven't for dose considerations but The issue is that you look for something bright in bowel, and you want to be careful that what's bright was not some retained material within the colon. My feeling is arterial venous phase, if it's really a bleed, it changes appearance, so it's not that much of an issue. But again, uh, it's something to consider, maybe a low-dose non-contrast scan. And again, uh, here's the comments, prevent confusion of high-density material, and high-density material is considered something 60 Hounsfield units or greater. So something to think about, okay? But again, CTA for GI bleeding is the way to go. What else? Pulmonary embolism, there's always something new on PE and one topic that often comes up and probably comes up in every hospital if your hospital's like ours, and that's in the pregnant patient. Now, in the pregnant patient, PE is very common. Incidence 10.6 per 100,000. Risk is highest in the postpartum period. The prevalence of PE in pregnant patients presenting with clinical symptoms is in the 3 to 6% range. And we also know that CT is a challenge in the pregnant patient. It's hard to get a perfect study due to physiologic changes, including cardiac output and blood volume, that result in decrease of pacification. And we've spoken about that. Leong, in this statement article from the American Thoracic Society, uh, this clinical practice guidelines in the suspected PE in pregnant patients, makes several comments. One, PE is the leading cause of maternal mortality in the developed world. Along with appropriate prophylaxis and therapy, prevention of deaths from P.E. in pregnancy requires a high index of clinical suspicion, followed by a timely and accurate diagnostic approach. Now, the authors do make the point that CT has a higher dose than VQ scans, or obviously chest x-rays, and so in their recommendation, which was somewhat argumentative, even amongst themselves, they had seven recommendations. In pregnant patients with suspected PE, we suggest that D-dimers not be used to exclude PE. Now, you also can see at each statement, they kind of commented weak recommendation, very low quality evidence. So again, a lot of the recommendations here are based on minimal fact. In pregnant patients with suspected PE, we recommend the chest x-ray as the first radiation associated procedure in imaging workup. Well, in case you have pneumonia, but again, typically you're going to be going on to another study. In pregnant patients with suspected P in a normal chest x ray, we recommend. VQ scanning as the next imaging step rather than CTA. Again, this has low quality evidence. And then they say in a pregnant patient with suspected PE and a non-diagnostic VQ scan, we suggest further radiology testing rather than clinical management alone. In patients with a non-diagnostic VQ scan in whom a decision is made to further investigate, we recommend CTA. Okay, so now you're delaying things. In a pregnant patient with suspected PE and an abnormal chest x-ray, we recommend going straight to CT rather than VQ scan. Again, uh, uh, quality of evidence is somewhat limited. Finally, in pregnant patients with suspected PE and a normal chest x-ray, we recommend lung scintigraphy as the next step. And how did they reach that kind of recommendation? Uh, This recommendation put a high value on minimizing dose to the mother from radiation. It puts a lower value on the rapidity of the diagnostic test and the possibility of alternative diagnosis afforded by CTA. And so you can see this recommendation sounds good, but truthfully, it sucks, right? Let's get straight. It sucks. It takes forever to get the VQ scan. It's probably not going to be helpful. And you don't eliminate any of the other possibilities that CT shows so well. So again, and you can see they kind of Waffled. Because they also said in a pregnant patient with suspected PE and a diagnostic or non-diagnostic VQ scan, we suggest further diagnostic testing. That CT is very good. Uh, but again, why why they do it this way? Well, this recommendation puts a high value on diagnostic certainty given the potential morbid consequences of PE if is undiagnosed. Uh, due to a non-diagnostic VQ scan. But now think about what you're doing is you're doing a chest X-ray, a VQ scan. And then when that doesn't work, then you do a CT. It's stretching it out forever. So again, um, our recommendation, and most people go straight to CT. I heard uh, Rick Webb give a talk. Again, go straight to CT. Minimize the dose. uh, uh, But again, becomes very important. It's the right thing to do. So anyway, I've given you two sets of uh, weeks of uh, hot topics, and we'll come back a little bit later next quarter with some other things I've read. There's a bunch of neat things going on now. So in terms of learning, I saw this great quote from Gandhi. Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Learn as if you were to live forever. So hopefully all of us are going to live forever. So start reading. Start listening to our lectures. Start coming to our courses. Start looking at CT as us. And with that, have a great day.